I recently got Hulu because I wanted to see Only Murders in the Building. And in doing so, I saw a lot of ads for a movie starring Michael Keaton. And actually, I saw an interview with him on 60 Minutes talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's called Dope Sick. And it's all mm-hmm. about that first wave. And in the interview, he was discussing how he had a loved one in his life who lost their life to addiction mm-hmm. and why this meant so much to him. I did see a preview for that. And I was thinking, I don't have Hulu, but I'm going to go to Brian's house and I'm going to watch it. And while you're there, I'll be at your house checking out. <laughs> Ted Lasso <laughs> exactly. on your Apple TV. We'd rather pay for the gas than actually pay for the streaming service. <laughs> and we'd we'll rather just... <laughs> find any way to not spend so much time together. <laughs> time to cope on the couch with Courtney and Brian. Episode 74. Courtney Kelly is a mental health therapist. I, Brian Mulhern, a longtime patient. And this one, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't already done it, Courtney. And mm-hmm. maybe it's because the topic is a little bit heavy and yeah. we don't want to get too down about something like this, but it's very important. What are we covering today? We're talking all about overdose today and especially the opioid overdoses that are occurring. And this is so serious because back in 2019, they have some statistics on this. 71,000 people had overdosed. They died from overdoses in the United States. 50,000 people out of that it was associated with opiates. So this is a really big crisis. And I know just in the state of Rhode Island, three out of four overdose deaths are caused by fentanyl. So that's another thing that we hear a lot about. It's a synthetic opiate. And this is something that I deal with all the time in mental health with people who are having addiction issues. There's three waves that they talk about. The first wave came in the 1990s. And I know you remember probably there was all this big push of, hey, opiates, they're okay, the pills to take care of your pain. So a lot of doctors were were prescribing them and over-prescribing them because the pharmaceuticals were saying, hey, you can't get addicted. This is great. It's going to help the pain. And so a lot of people had some misuse and some addiction from that, and there was overdoses. The second wave came with heroin, and that was in the 2000s. And now, of course, we're dealing with the biggest issue, which is fentanyl. I can tell you the first wave, Mm -hmm. I happened to be working as a pharmacy technician Mm -hmm. at that time. And you can't believe how much those prescriptions were flying in and flying out. And it didn't take too long for people to figure out, you know, this might be addictive because Mm -hmm. the lengths to which some of our patients were going to get them. And then you started noticing things like phony prescriptions being attempted to be called in. We started having certain patients who were in their doctor's office and they would steal one of their prescription Mm -hmm. pads and write them out or get copies of them. It got to the point, too, where we had to have police show up and arrest people that we were suspecting. That it was getting out of control. And not only that, but I can tell you, too, that we would have people who legitimately needed them, weren't abusing them. They would come in to pick up their prescription. Mm -hmm. I would go to get it and I'd say, it's already been picked up. And they'd say, well, that's impossible. And Mm -hmm. they'd start yelling at me and giving me a really hard time. Fortunately, back in the day, and this is, again, the ancient times, when you would pick up a prescription, especially if you had a third-party insurance, you would sign for it. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is I would go through the logs and I would show them and I would say, your son picked this up. Mm. And what is happening is the son is picking it up, not letting them know, abusing it. Mm -hmm. And that was a really hard thing to have to do to people because it's heartbreaking. You almost hate to break that news to them. But that was the first sign that we had a problem on our hands. And I've had clients talk to me about people stealing their pills, people stealing their pills and selling their pills, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of that. It's really unfortunate. Not everyone, of course, is going to get addicted to pain pills, but there is a certain percentage of people who, when using them, they do become dependent on them, and that can be the issue. The other issue 
And I've had some clients where this has happened, where they started out on the pain pills, and then because of all of this going on, the doctor started to taper them down mm -hmm. to get them off the pain pills. But maybe it was a quick taper, maybe there were no other alternatives to deal with their pain, and they were in such severe pain that what happened is they ultimately went to either street drugs, where they thought they were getting some kind of right. opiate, or they went to heroin. And I've had clients discuss it with me, where all of a sudden they are in a world of problems, because then they get addicted to something more more potent, with more issues, and then before you know it, they're losing their job, their house, their relationships, and so a lot of destruction has come from this epidemic of opiate use. And you mentioned the fentanyl component. Mm -hmm. It takes next to nothing for that right. to be fatal. It is awful. So with fentanyl, the thing is, it's 50 to 100 percent more potent than heroin, and it's also cheaper and it's synthetic. Mm -hmm. So people are making this stuff. They're putting it in drugs. What I tell my clients now is is nothing is pure, okay? Back in the day, you might have had cocaine, you might have had marijuana, whatever. On the streets, nothing is pure anymore. So a lot of these drug dealers and illegal drug makers, they are putting fentanyl in because it's cheaper and because it's more potent. People mm -hmm. are getting more addicted to it. They can make more money. But the issue becomes that it doesn't take much, like you said. If you mix it with a drug that is something like cocaine, you might have a tolerance for the cocaine, but if you're using it and there's fentanyl in it, then that is going to mess you up because you don't have tolerance for it. And so it's a very small amount. So say a sugar packet has a thousand milligrams in it. Just two milligrams is what it can take to overdose with fentanyl. So that's just a right. tiny, tiny amount. And so what's happening is it's overloading the brain receptors. And so this is why we have Narcan or Naloxone, because what that does is it helps take it off the brain receptors and it can save people. But also the issue becomes if you do give someone Narcan or they receive it, you do have to monitor them and send them to the hospital because they can go back into overdose because of the amounts that people are using. So it's very scary. There's a lot of hope, and that's why we're doing this podcast, because we want to educate people, and we also want to give them hope for lots of treatment options. And of course, if you go to catcountry.com on the Wellness Wednesday page, we do have resources as far as for mental health and for addiction. But this is such a huge problem, and we're trying to fight it on so many different fronts. And like I said, I have clients coming in that are getting treatment for other drugs, or even if they're on marijuana, they get drug tested. And I tell them, there's fentanyl in your system. They're like, how is that possible? Right. I'm like, you really have to be so careful about all of this. And of course, we would hope that people would abstain from drug use. But we also talk about harm reduction. If people are not ready to completely abstain, we try to help them with harm reduction. And that is one of those measures. I think right now they have these fentanyl test strips that you can actually test the drug that you're using to see if there's fentanyl in it, because this is how dangerous it is. And the problem is, too, if you are in an altered state of mind, the first thing that pops into your head is not, hey, maybe I should run a test on this kind of thing. Right, right. So unless you're being supervised in some way. Mm -hmm. Courtney, I'm fortunate enough to never have had a problem with any drug whatsoever. Mm -hmm. There may have been times where I was self-medicating with alcohol a little more than I should. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that I can't relate to this, but I can tell you that I had a friend who had a real run of problems with kidney stones and the pain related to those mm. is just immense. And that happened to coincide with when the opiates were becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time he was taking those and it would totally eliminate the pain.
pain. And then I also remembered that after he would pass it, he would save some for later. And I thought, well, that's not a good thing. And that's some of the things that if you have a loved one in your life that you really need to be looking out for. And I also remember, too, being rather young. And when I say young, I'm 51 now, so young's kind of a relative term. But I had a brother of a friend who one day said, will you come to the pharmacy with me? I need to pick up a prescription. And I said, sure. And he's like, would you mind running in and getting it? And I thought, well, this is kind of odd. And as I was going to the pharmacy to go get the pills, he was in there with me kind of lurking in the background. And I ran into somebody that I knew. And then I looked out of the corner of my eye and I could see him shaking. And I Mm. thought, oh God, something is definitely wrong here. So then I picked it up and I confronted him in the car. And he told me, he's like, look, Brian, I have a problem. And I didn't know what to do about it at the time. But Mm -hmm. fast forward, he's no longer with us. Mm. So that was my experience firsthand of seeing just how devastating, how difficult the addiction Mm -hmm. can be and what the end result can be if you don't intervene in ways that you really and truly need to. Right. And there's so many great resources. There's SAMHSA. Again, I have that up on the Cat Country website, Wellness Wednesday page. Wellness um, 411 now. Wellness We're rebranding. That's right. We are. Thank because you for that, Brian. <laughs> it's not just Wednesday every day. People right. need this every day. Exactly. They're popping up different places right now for treatment, especially in the state of Rhode Island. There's some new places that people can go for walk-in treatment, which is so great because we have to meet people where they are, okay? People are in pain. This is why they want to numb. They don't want to feel the pain, either emotional pain or physical pain. When you use opioids, for a long time, your tolerance increases, so you have to use more and more. It also makes you more sensitive to pain. So when people come off the opiates, what they could have tolerated before, they can't tolerate anymore. It does mess with your brain and your receptors. Well, it's like drinking, too. You know, Mm -hmm. at first, maybe one or two glasses of wine is enough to get you a buzz, but Mm -hmm. if you do it long enough, sure, it takes a lot more than that. And to your point, I think it is important if you notice people around you that are having an issue or you think that they might, just having a candid conversation with them and saying, hey, there's resources out there and is there something that I can help you? I'm just concerned about things. I think these are great. The drug take back days, you can Google that and you can always find a place or a pharmacy who will take back drugs so that you don't have them laying around the house because that can be a temptation for people. And sometimes people start out using other people's pills that are left over from some procedure that they had or something like that. Or if you feel tempted, some people are able to say, okay, I'm going to dole out what I need for my surgery or for certain pain issues, but then get rid of it because a lot of times people will become dependent on them and say, oh, let me take it for this. Let me take it for that. And they might be taking something too strong for what they need and become dependent that way. And speaking to that, here's another area where you need to be vigilant. And maybe it's not even somebody that you love having an issue with medication. My father is in an assisted living facility. Mm -hmm. And one thing I don't like about what he has been doing, and I talked to him about it, was he was leaving his door to his apartment unlocked 24 hours a day. And I said, Dad, I don't like people having access to your room in that way. And he said, well, I'm in too much pain and I don't want to get up and have to unlock it or I don't want to have to have them fumbling for their keys. Well, fast forward a little bit later and he starts telling me about this woman who's constantly coming by to see him, who incidentally is not really old, probably roughly our age, but has some other issues going on of Mm -hmm. which I do not know. And I said, well, why is she visiting you? Because he said she was starting to get a little bit annoying. He said, she kept saying that she wanted to come in and see pictures of your mom because she misses your mom who passed away from COVID. He said, but she starts 
lingering around the apartment and it's making me uncomfortable. And a lot of times she'll come in and she'll just want to use the bathroom and I don't understand that. And then one day I said, hey, it's time for us to leave because it's dinner time, so let's go. He started to make his way out the door and he noticed she wasn't behind him, so he doubled back and he noticed that she was going through his cupboards. And I said, Dad, this is a woman who sees an old man who is hunched over, can barely walk, using a walker, in a lot of pain, probably on pain medication. She doesn't want to see photos of mom. She's in the bathroom because she's going through your medicine cabinet and she's going through your cabinets in the kitchen trying to find where your pain pills are. You need to talk to the authorities there, the administrative staff, to alert them to this and you need to keep her out of your room and you also need to start locking that door because I don't want this woman having access at three in the morning to anything in my father's apartment. I don't want anybody walking into that. But somebody might father's age, things kind of go full circle. As you get older from when you're younger, you become less naive. But as you become even older, when you're under the care of others, you become maybe a little bit too trusting. Mm -hmm. And these are the kinds of things, too, that you have to keep an eye on. And I'll Mm -hmm. tell you what, at one point, he tried to get the administrative staff involved, but they only would do things to a certain extent. He had to confront this woman and tell her not to come in anymore. And I noticed one day when I was leaving his apartment, when he started locking the door, as I left, she was still kind of lingering outside Mm -hmm. of his door. Let that speak to how serious this is and the lengths that people will go Mm -hmm. to to get what they need. When I talk to clients who have been on both sides of this, maybe they've had those issues where somebody was kind of lurking over them, or maybe they were the one who was in such deep addiction that they were doing things that were out of character for Mm -hmm. them. They look back on and like, I can't believe I was doing that, or the losses that they had, or loss of people in their families, or not being able to be there for their children and stuff like that. That's why I talk to my clients to do a lot of education, give them a lot of compassion because it just ruins lives and it is just so scary. But again, there's supports there. There's outpatient supports. If you're not ready to go to a detox and get some help around that, whether you're someone who needs help or like you said, you love someone who you think is having some issues, just trying to help them to know that there are resources out there and their support. And if you can't get into a program, you keep calling. I've had people, because right now it's tough with the pandemic. A lot of people are under stress and it's hard to get into some programs and, of course, the staffing. But you keep calling. You keep asking for resources. You call somewhere and they're full. You ask them, well, where can I go? You keep trying to get the help that you need because this is important. We've had so many people that we've lost to addiction. It's like, no, we need more resources. And I know the government is trying to put in more resources, more education, more supports for people. But just keep trying to get that help that you need because this is just so serious. I want to dig a little deeper on one thing that you mentioned in passing because you get so focused about these opiates and about the physical pain, but you Mm -hmm. also mentioned how people can maybe eventually start self-medicating when it comes to emotional pain. Of course, yeah. And I'm wondering, because obviously this is so prevalent and you read about it all Mm -hmm. the time, you see it on the news, coming off of the pandemic and all of the other struggles that we've all been having, maybe even more so mentally than physically, do you think that is a driving force right now? driving force behind this problem? I definitely think so. And during the pandemic, people were so isolated and that was supposed to be like protecting us, right? Right. Stay away from other people, stay in your house, kind of hunker down, this kind of thing. And this was awful for addiction because I've heard so many stories of people who this did a lot of damage to them. They stayed away from people and they just got deeper in their addiction. And a lot of this has to do with emotional pain from trauma, 
from abandonment, from all sorts of things that people are hurting from. A lot of times, and I hear this and I really try to do a lot of education, I'll hear people say, oh, they just need to quit. Why don't they just stop drinking or stop using or stop this? People don't understand that we all have different brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. And some folks through their family line, they are really at risk because they have it in their family. They've learned how to cope with things because their family has taught them how to cope by using drugs and alcohol. And their brains actually light up differently. So if you or I were to take a drink, our brain would light up differently than someone else who all of a sudden it's like, click, this is the thing that fills in all the things that we're missing for them. It helps them to slow down when they need to. It helps them with their mental health. Like I tell people, they didn't start out trying to have a drug issue. They started out using something to try to help regulate the issues that they were having. If they felt depressed, they used something to bring them up. If they felt too high and too up, they bring something to bring them down. And so what happened was, I tell people, it works until it doesn't. So we all start out with this. When people are in addiction, they start out using because it works. It helps them for a little while until it doesn't. It becomes more of the problem than the original problem that they were trying to get help with. And another thing that I also want to throw out there for people who are being judgmental, the saying goes there, but for the grace of God, Mm go I. Take somebody's life experience into account because I've gone through stretches in my life where everything was clicking and everything was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I've gone through some real lows where, as I said, maybe I've self-medicated with alcohol a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. And if you're lucky enough to not be struggling on any level emotionally, consider yourself lucky. Don't stand in judgment of other people, though, who may be going through those kinds of struggles. Mm -hmm. And if you've known anybody in your life, or if you were a person who, let's just say, for example, my dad, when he was young and nobody knew the dangers of it, asked his mom's permission if he could start smoking. And Mm -hmm. he started smoking, and the grip that it got on him for a good 20 years, and I saw what it took for him to have to quit that and how difficult it was, look at it in that way. Because things like this, regardless even of chemistry sometimes Mm -hmm. just become addictive to people who aren't even wired certain ways. And especially if you're leaning on it, as you said, Courtney, because of a challenge that's Mm -hmm. going on in your life. We all look outside of ourselves to solve something sometimes, right? We all are looking for that thing to numb us, to make us feel better. And so if we can relate on that level, maybe you can't relate to using a needle. Some people say, I would never do that. And I've heard people who are in programs and like maybe somebody who has an issue with alcohol and they'd be judging someone who was doing another drug because they could never do that. And I said, listen, you have to pull back and look at the bigger picture. When have you been in pain and you chose something that was not healthy for you to push it down so you didn't have to look at that? When have you done something unhealthy, been in an unhealthy relationship, chose something that you knew was not good for you, but you couldn't stop yourself? We've all had times in our lives where that would happen. So I think if we can relate on a certain level and then understand how difficult it can be when you add in something so scary as opiates and fentanyl, then we can see on a different level, like how that can pull you in. Certain drugs can pull you in so quickly before you even know it that you're doing crazy things so that you can keep getting that high. I had one client who really opened my mind and said, you know what, people who are using heroin, they are looking for a certain high that they keep chasing. And this is a lot of what happens with addiction. You keep chasing this. He said, I know you're not going to understand this, but when you see someone who is really over the top high from this drug, you're looking at them, you're like, oh, I want what they have. And it's not logical, Mm -hmm. but this is what happens. And people will gravitate toward that, even if it's dangerous, even if it's fentanyl and it's really harming people. 
people. But we also have to educate on that and understand that and say, okay, maybe I can't understand it from my point of view, but put yourself in their shoes. And it's fascinating to talk to people and have them give me the real deal so that I can understand where they were coming from. And also in relation to standing in judgment, we all have our coping mechanisms, some more dangerous Mm -hmm. than others. But even think about yourself, the certain things that you have to do to get through the day. Something as simple as, I've got to have that cup of coffee as soon as I get up in the morning. That is a very small example of Mm -hmm. something like this. I recall with my mom, my mom, a stress eater who became morbidly obese, and it got to a point where she needed her second knee replacement. Mm -hmm. And her doctor had said to her at the time, I am not going to operate on you until you lose 50 pounds because I'm not going to have it on my conscience that I lose you on the table Mm -hmm. because of the shape that you're in. And I remember lost about 25 pounds. It plateaued. She was on a special program. She put on another couple and then she just gave up and then put all the weight back on and more and started looking for another doctor, a quack, Mm -hmm. if you will, who would perform the surgery regardless of what the end result was going to be. And I remember having to have a very difficult conversation with her. Incidentally, the reason why she wanted to have this procedure was my wedding was coming up, as was my nephew's baptism. And she said, I don't want to be in pain for those, and I have to be there. I said, to the extent that you are going to risk hopping on that table and die, which is going to cast Mm -hmm. a pall over my wedding, the baptism, and everything else. And I remember I had to say this to her, and it hurt me to do this, but sometimes even I needed tough love when it came to eating or my drinking or whatever my problem was. Mm -hmm. If I was in an unhealthy relationship, I said, Mom, I'm starting to feel like you love the fork more than you love me because Mm -hmm. you're so much more fixated on that. And she even said to me, Brian, that really hurt me. And I said to her, imagine how hurt I would be if you go through this surgery and you die, what that's going to do to my wedding day. And that's how everyone has to look at these things. Long story short, it was a hip replacement, actually. She went, she found a quack who did it. She survived. Three days later, she was brushing her teeth. And because of the shoddy work and all of the weight that she had, she snapped her femur. At which point, and that's as painful as it gets people from a physical perspective, at which point she had to miss my nephew's baptism, which to her was devastating. Mm -hmm. And it took everything I had to accommodate her to get her to the wedding, which Mm -hmm. put a lot of stress on my wife and myself, caused a lot of family fights. So there's a ripple effect when it comes to these things. And it's not just opiates. If you're just going to stand there and say, oh, you drug addict, oh, you alcoholic, Mm -hmm. why can't you just stop? Look at some of these other areas and realize, too, that you have them. You may have them to a lesser extent, but before you start throwing stones at other people, Mm -hmm. maybe have a little bit of empathy and sympathy for the situation. Exactly, because that's the thing. I mean, you can look at some of these circumstances and see, oh, yes, well, somebody lost their job, their house, their relationships, all of these things. But guess what? Somebody who's addicted to food or addicted to certain things that are very unhealthy for them, it can cause issues in their relationships. It's the same thing in their health. A few episodes ago, we covered my addiction to sports Mm -hmm. that I didn't even realize was going on at the time. So we all have something. Everyone has some kind of issue. And we are living in a day and age where there is a real lack of understanding Mm -hmm. and a lack of pity in some ways. And I think we really need to get back to that. And I think therapy is the place where that happens. Well, that's the thing, having that compassion. And I think if, say, 
with your mom if she could have or thought of or wanted to go to therapy. Maybe she could have learned right. to work on what is driving these behaviors mm-hmm. because it just wasn't about the food. It was about pain. It was probably about things from the past. It was probably trauma. There was probably years and years of things that she learned how to cope with the food. And I know people, a lot of times they start with saying smoking cigarettes, then they quit the cigarettes, then they go to food. That's There's exactly what happened with her. Yeah. That's what I was just going to tell you, replacing one addiction mm-hmm. with another addiction. And all of the other things that you did mention, Courtney, she had a very difficult life, mm-hmm. had a bad relationship with her father, lost her mom at a young age. All of these things tend to yeah. snowball. And we try to fill those gaps with things that aren't necessarily the best things for us. Yeah. So just try to take a step back and look at it in that way and through that prism. And sometimes it can be about guilt, guilt about things that we've done that right. may be intentional or unintentional. And then we look back on our lives and all of a sudden this stuff starts coming up and it's like, oh my gosh, it's really hard for us. We don't know where to put it and how to compartmentalize this. And so sometimes that's what happens too. It is, it's that self-medicating. So that's what I tell people, look at it from that way of compassion. Maybe you don't understand the actual act or the degree of what people are using or what's happening in their life, but we can all relate to the fact of wanting to numb ourselves, wanting to get rid of pain and wanting to feel better. I mean, that's really what it is. You're trying to function better, especially with the opiates until you get to a place where you're just so dependent, you don't care, you'll do anything to not be in that pain. That's where your life is lost. Your identity is lost in all of that. Now, there's something that I want to mention that I haven't watched, but I'm still going to give the recommendation anyway. Mm -hmm. I recently got Hulu because I wanted to see Only Murders in the Building. And in doing so, I saw a lot of ads for a movie, a TV special on Hulu that's streaming starring Michael Keaton. And actually, I saw an interview with him on 60 Minutes talking about it. Mm -hmm. It's called Dope Sick. And it's all Mm -hmm. about that first wave and what happened. And in the interview, he was discussing how he had a loved one in his life who lost their life to addiction Mm -hmm. and why this meant so much to him. This might be the kind of thing where you take a look at this to get a better feel. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand this world and you don't know what to do about it, little things like this, even fiction and forms of entertainment can be very educational. Exactly. I did see a preview for that and I was thinking I don't have Hulu, but I'm going to go to Brian's house and I'm going to watch it. And while you're there, I'll be at your house checking out Ted Lasso (laughs) on your Apple TV. (laughs) We'd rather pay for the gas than actually pay for the streaming service. And we'd rather find any way to not spend so much time together. (laughs) You come to my house, I'll go to your house. Exactly. And I think that will give people, like you said, more compassion and more Mm -hmm. understanding as to what's going on. And also educating people that there are a lot of ways of getting into recovery Mm -hmm. because this right now we have the medication assisted therapy, which is the Suboxone or the methadone that people use. People can go to detox and they can go to outpatient treatments. There's partial day programs. There's all sorts of programs that are out there. And there's recovery centers, like I said. I mean, if you're feeling like you have someone who you love and you want to get them some help, even if they're not ready to say, okay, that's it. I'm not going to use these drugs anymore. I'm sick of this addiction. And they're going to try to stop. Even if they're not in that place, just like we say with therapy, come in as you are and Mm -hmm. let us talk to you and let us give you some education. Let's give you some compassion and let's understand where you are. Once you can be with where the person is, you can help them with harm reduction and making some better choices around it. And you can help them to see their options. And then from there, it starts to increase their motivation to make some change. And so that 
that can be a really important piece in getting people more help and really seeing that this addiction is really hurting themselves and also always the people around them. You hear it all the time. Sometimes the first step is the toughest because Mm -hmm. that's an admission that maybe you need help in whatever direction, whether or not you are an addict, whether or not you love somebody Mm -hmm. who is, or just whether or not you're somebody who feels like maybe I'm not being empathetic enough. I need an education. So there are many ways to take that first step. And another way that you can take it, regardless of what side of the equation you're on, you can contact Courtney personally. Absolutely. Wellness at WCTK.com. The other thing, too, is anybody has questions. We did talk about this with the naloxone, the Narcan. Mm -hmm. So that is widely available. You can get it in pharmacies. But right now in Rhode Island, PreventOverdoseRI.org, they actually have a program where you can contact them. They will send you a kit. You'll have the Narcan. You can do just like a little training and you can learn about it. And it's really important. We have it where I work and you can carry it on your person, especially for people who work with high risk population or they work in areas where there's high risk. Just having it on you, that is huge to help someone in need. And don't forget the Good Samaritan Act. We have it in Rhode Island. It protects volunteers of people who are trying to help someone who's injured Mm -hmm. and someone who's in an emergency situation. It protects you from lawsuits. So like if you do CPR and you break a rib or if you do the Narcan and there's an issue from that, it will protect you. Because a lot of people say, I would help, but I don't want to get in a lawsuit or get in trouble for this. We do have the Good Samaritan Act. So they can definitely contact me if they have questions about that. So if I slip in Courtney's kitchen while I'm getting a snack watching Ted Lasso, (laughs) she's saying, I was a Good Samaritan. He didn't have Apple TV. I was trying to help him. He's so cheap. I even gave him snacks. (laughs) Speaking of additional resources, Mm -hmm. now the all new Wellness 411 page too at catcountry.com. You can come there. We have lots of episodes there for you to help you with your mental health. And we also have resources there. CatCountry.com, the Wellness 411. I got to get used to saying that again. Wellness 411 page. Oh, we're rebranding, Courtney, in a big, big way. (laughs) Oh, rebranding. It's hard to keep up with all of this. Well, here's the good news. No rebranding going on on the socials at Cat Country Mornings. The individual pages, Courtney Kelly, Courtney with a C, E-Y for Kelly, Courtney Kelly Bedard, I, Brian Mulhern, Brian with an (laughs) I-H-E-R-N. And don't forget to tell anybody with any problem, not just related to opiates, it could be all over the Mm -hmm. spectrum, about coping on the couch with Courtney and Brian. We cover a new topic every Mm -hmm. single week. We try to stay as current and as relevant as we possibly can. Of course, with this one, very relevant, and this is in the news constantly, and we're hoping to keep the numbers down for this year, but still. But get the podcast numbers up. We want to get those podcast numbers up. (laughs) Absolutely. Because when we see those, we know we're helping more people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your smart devices. Oh, there are just so many ways. It's almost too many ways. To access us. To access the two of us. (laughs) For my liking at times. have one or two less ways to access them? (laughs) Well, Courtney, a very important topic. Thank you for all of your experience and insight. Who knows what lies for episode 75. Mm. You're going to have to tune in next time, Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Thank you. Yeah.